0: This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org party today. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world.
1: Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Rev. Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today. I'm Rev. Dan Beckett here with special guest co-host Rev. Michelle Jelinch. Today, we'll discuss ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. If you're listening live, you're welcome to join the discussion with your comments and questions. You can call us right now at 816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816-251-3555. We'd love to hear from you.
0: And Facebook users, you can also message us during the show or any time during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. And just as with phone calls, your anonymity is always respected.
1: Today's show is titled Preparing for New Possibilities. As we grow through our addiction recovery journey, we often come face to face with old habits that are hard to break. Fortunately, once we are a few steps down the recovery path, we become prepared to make different choices. But how can we let go of our old ways and open the door to a new way of being? Today, we want to walk with you into your new life, sharing our real-world experience, strength, and hope as we go.
0: We'll begin by sharing some of our own experiences of old habits that we had, then move into the solution of having the power to choose. After the break, we'll share exactly how the power to choose helped us to move from those old habits to a life of new freedom. So Dan, can you describe for us some of the old habits that you had to let go of?
1: Uh, Yeah, you know what came to mind first and this almost seems silly, you might not know this about me, but I had a habit of drinking a lot when I was in active <laughs> No. That's like the top of my list. i like, so what old habits did I need to work on, you know, especially early in recovery? Well, my drinking habit, uh, that was one, I think so. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely one. That was, of course, the king of all uh, habits that I needed to, um, you know, change, I guess, leave behind <laughs> in a way. And uh, I call it a habit that's almost, uh, that's a gross understatement because a habit, I think maybe we could think of it like an addiction grows out of what used to be a habit or I've I've heard it said this rut that I'm in had once been a groove. You know, a groove can turn into a rut and a habit can turn into an addiction. And that, of course, is exactly what happened to me. But, uh, yeah, the habit of drinking, that comes to mind. Uh, That is an old habit. Uh, I'm glad to have left it behind. And um, that's what leaps to mind, first and foremost.
0: Yeah, me too, obviously. The drinking. But you know what? It's so much more than just the drinking. It's the whole life that I had built up around drinking. So, you know, when I was in active addiction, my life was focused on, it's hard to explain because I had a lot of other things going on in my life. But it was always focused on how I could get those things done so that I could then drink. I was in graduate school at the time, so it was, you know, let me finish that 10-page paper so that I can, you know, drink a bottle of wine in the bathtub while listening to Billie Holiday. I mean, that's not what you did. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was a habit of my whole life being focused on drinking, and um, there were other sort of peripheral habits that went with that. Like, when I drank, I wanted to smoke. I'm actually one of these weird people that quit smoking. I don't know if it was a few days or a few weeks before I quit drinking, but, um, the two definitely went together for me. And so when I did one, I wanted to do the other. I think a lot of people have that experience. And, um, so that was really important to stop the smoking as well so that it didn't lead me back to drinking and vice versa. But, um, Definitely the habit of drinking, but also the way that I made choices in my life around drinking. So we talked a little bit about this last week, you know, choosing activities that involved the likelihood um, or the distinct possibility of having alcohol involved, which meant not choosing other activities. So, you know, I had shaped my life in that way by choosing things that involved drinking and not choosing things that didn't involve drinking.
1: Yep, I can relate to that. <laughs> Another thing that comes to mind when I ask myself, what old habits did I have in active addiction is that I would, I would generally seek to avoid what I thought of or might have called entanglements. Now uh, that's a word that I, as an introvert use, other people would just call it interaction. <laughs> but to me, Interaction itself could feel <laughs> burdensome because I was such a, an introvert. It's not like I was incapable of of uh, working with people. That's not true at all. But you know, given the choice of you know doing something uh, by myself or or going out uh, in the world in a crowd, I'm probably going to go for the more quiet, more serene environment. So I had developed what I would have to call a habit of avoiding. Or minimizing, I guess I could say, uh, interactions or what felt like entanglements with, with other people. Um, that was something that absolutely changed through my uh, recovery journey. Uh, s- some of the some of these things, um, we know that, you know, it's a bit like uh, diving in the deep end of a pool. Uh, when I was a little kid, we would go swimming a lot during the summer and. We know there's a, a, two basic ways of getting in the water, right? You stick a toe in, then your foot, then your other foot, and that—that and <laughs> that was my approach. And then, of course, there are those um, folks that would just jump in. Uh-huh. And uh, I found that uh, in recovery, it—it it was more—it was more the kind of thing that I really had to jump into. There was no sticking a toe in the water and then a foot. It. I don't know if that's the common experience for others. I'm sure I'm not alone, but it, it became in itself kind of an all or nothing's thing. So my old habit of generally seeking to avoid what I thought of as entanglements um, definitely shifted as I moved into recovery out of necessity. I think,
0: you know, you just helped me recall a way that um, I isolated around my drinking too, uh, that I would, Um, choose sometimes to stay home so that I could drink or not go to activities where there wasn't going to be alcohol involved. And that that was actually, um, because I am very extroverted, but um, that was a way that I isolated myself. And then that led to me remembering another habit that I talked about, peripheral habits, because to me, there were a lot of um, negative old habits that needed to change. And one of them was a sort of perfectionism that, you know, if we're addictive, we're addictive in a lot of different areas of our life. And I had this perfectionism that involved cleaning my house. Now, if you saw my house today with two cats, okay. a dog, and a kid, you would not believe that I used to have basically a cleaning addiction. Um, I had to clean my, well, of course, I had a one-bedroom apartment then. It was a lot easier to do, but I had to clean my apartment from top to bottom every weekend, no matter what. And I didn't even realize how compulsive it was at the time, but it was a very compulsive behavior that, um, I don't know, I probably engaged in because it felt comfortable. It gave me a sense of having control over my life. It gave me a sense of order. But the problem, and when I always say that something crosses from a habit into an addiction, is when it starts to limit your life. So it had crossed into an addiction because it limited my life. So friends would ask me, oh, you know, we're going to go and do whatever, you know, go somewhere on Saturday. And I would say, oh, I can't. I have to clean my house. I mean, it it sounds like ridiculous to me now when I think about it, but I know I did that because I was so compulsive. I mean, how how dirty could the house get in one (laughs) week? But I had to clean that thing top to bottom every weekend. And so that perfectionism and that compulsiveness was also a habit that I had to, um, to change.
1: Yeah, I can see that. Another uh, old habit that comes to mind that I had, especially in active addiction, was, and this is sort of related to what I was saying about avoiding entanglements. My whole goal in life, my ultimate goal, asking me for anything, I didn't have to be anywhere. And I would, of course, um, structure my life sort of hopping island to island so to speak so i might be able to make it so that there was nothing on my calendar for a short period of time maybe a day or a weekend or even part of a slow week at the office or whatever but you know that's not the way that life is life is continually presenting us with opportunities and interactions and choices to make and so uh, that was a goal that was never felt like it was fulfilled and I call that an old habit because that that was a habitual uh point of view that I had, like, yeah. man, I just want to make it so I don't will it will the work can the world just slow down yeah. long enough for me to feel like I can keep up so i I still today um balance doing with resting, but yes. I do it in a much more healthy manner. And I do take a Sabbath day. We've talked about um because I preach on Sunday, Monday is my sabbath day and literally my goal and i achieve it most of the time my my ideal is to achieve it all the time is that there literally is nothing on my calendar on monday and so that's so that i can rest and i think that that's a reasonable balance but it used to feel like my whole life you know was was aimed at someday you know if i won the lottery then i wouldn't have to do anything that kind of thing (laughs)
0: you know um <clears throat> we often think of habits as being you know sort of outward behaviors drinking or smoking or cleaning or isolating but um when i was thinking about what these habits were um the uh, probably the biggest problem for me was a lot less tangible, but had to do with my thinking. So negative thought habits. And it took me a lot of time before these things began to become clear to me. It certainly wasn't in early recovery. I had enough on my plate at that point, just to not drink and learn to live life without my active addiction. But, um, then, after, you know, then as I went deeper and deeper, I started to realize a lot of the negative thought patterns that I had and that were really driving a lot of my behavior and a lot of my life. So negative, um, negative patterns of thinking, thinking negatively about things, um, negative self-talk, that took me a really long time to uncover that because it's so um, insidious and it's so um, not usually at a level of our conscious awareness. So um, I didn't realize that I was having all this negative internal self-talk that was driving my life. And it took me a long time before I began to become aware of those thoughts and beliefs and things running through my head that were driving me.
1: Absolutely. Uh, One that comes to mind for me is very general, and I'll just call it a, a hiding types of behaviors, you know, uh, hiding how much I'm drinking, hiding how I felt about things, in general, just sort of hiding my internal landscape and my internal world, very private, uh, not interested in letting other people in. And that was a an old habit that uh, fortunately shifted after I moved into recovery. But talk about shifting now that we know about this challenge of old habits, what is the solution well in unity we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles and as spiritual beings ourselves we can learn to use these universal laws
0: yes and specifically unity's third principle states we are co-creators with god actively creating our world through thoughts held in mind what this means is that we create our own reality through our thoughts and beliefs.
1: When we become aware and mindful of our thoughts and beliefs and how they're operating in our lives, then we begin to have the power to choose what those thoughts and beliefs are. And that is what we want to focus on today. But what do we mean by the power to choose and how can we become more aware of the thoughts and beliefs that are creating our reality? And how does doing that help us create the the power to choose? So, Michelle, when you think about the power to choose um, in that way. What comes to mind for you?
0: So many things. But the first thing I want to touch on is just adding the practice of prayer to my life. So um, after taking the third step, turning my will and my life over to the care of the God of my understanding, that meant that um, my new practice was to seek God's guidance in all things. And that in itself made a huge change in my life. Um, so I was not, well, okay, let's say not always, I was not always acting so impetuously or so compulsively, I would begin to, um, you know, pray about something before I would do it. I, this, so it's partly that I was seeking the guidance of divine mind or, you know, from my higher consciousness, my higher self, but it was also just the pause that was inherent in that. So if I was going for a job interview or I was considering taking a new job or taking some new step rather than just charging forward and doing it like I'd always done before, I was being taught um, in the program in 12 step recovery program to pray about things before and i used to have a sponsor that i would call her up you know all amped up about whatever crisis was happening in my life and she was wonderful she was this jamaican lady she had this great accent and she would just say have you prayed about it yet and if my answer was no she would hang hey, we would she would say call me back when you've prayed about it She was just so not no nonsense. And it was like, duh, you know, she didn't even want to talk to me about it until I had prayed about it. And um, that really helped me learn a new way of approaching things in my life by taking that time to stop and ask for higher guidance rather than just charging forward.
1: I love that, that idea that the power to choose is closely related to even born out of, in a sense, that uh, willingness and that decision to, to turn within and to move into prayer around things. When I ask myself, what, what, is, what do I mean by power to choose? What does that mean or, to me? Or what does that look like um, for me? The first thing that comes to mind is sort of what it doesn't look like. In that uh, I'd had a teacher uh, some years ago point out that addiction is is basically the lack of choice. Mm-hmm. And addiction recovery is recovering, among other things, recovering the power to choose. And so the power of choice then looks like the opposite of an addiction. And I mm-hmm. certainly uh, resonate with that. I know um, I can remember, you know, I have images in my mind About it becoming abundantly clear to me that I was no longer choosing to drink. You know, there was a point where um, I, I could pretend that I was or even fake it that I was, but there was a part of me that was waking up to the realization that I really wasn't and that I really did not have and had lost um, the power to choose and so what does the power of choice looks like it looks like the opposite of addiction it looks like right. i get to step back take a breath or maybe like you said um, move into a time of prayer even if ever so briefly and uh you know am i going to go left or am i going to go right you know right. choose one or the other and my addiction was most definitely the lack of that
0: yes i understand that You know, another uh, part of my recovery and spiritual journey that's been so important is um, adopting a mindfulness meditation practice. And I know sometimes that's the last thing people want to hear. And it took me a really, really long time before I made this a way of life. Um, I was introduced to the idea of meditation early in recovery. There was a meeting, a local meeting here where they actually I don't remember, there was some reading, and then there was actually a long period of meditation during the meeting. And, um, you know, I, I don't know how I exactly experienced it at that point. I probably just sat there with all of the things running through my mind. But I certainly did get exposed to the idea of meditation over and over. And then, of course, when I got into unity, which was early in my recovery, I learned that in unity, we don't really distinguish that much between prayer and meditation. I mean, we could try to draw a distinction between them, but... We have this unity five-step prayer process, which basically incorporates both um, prayer, uh, quote-unquote, talking to God or using affirmative prayer, and time spent in the silence. So... um, Long story short, it's been a long road for me on adopting a meditation practice, but I can say that for the past four years, I believe, I actually have maintained a daily meditation practice, and um, just like people were telling me years and years before I did it myself, it's hard to uh, overestimate the power that that has in our lives, and so Mindfulness is a type of meditation which just involves being more mindful. And it doesn't have to be, it could be walking, it could be eating, it could be sitting quietly. There's a lot of different ways to practice mindfulness. Um, It really is quite simple and doesn't have to involve a complicated practice that's hard to do. But the gift of mindfulness is that over time, we learn to move into our observer selves a little bit more each time. And we become aware of these thoughts that are constantly running through our mind all the time. And it's not a bad thing. That's just what the human mind does. We don't have to um, beat ourselves up for it or talk negatively about it. It's just a natural thing. But the, the, the shift is when we become aware that these thoughts are, are there Because for so many years, I had no idea what the thoughts and beliefs and self-talk were that were driving my life. I was totally unaware of them. So the gift of the mindfulness practice has been becoming aware of those things. And having just that little bit of remove where I have even a split second, uh, a moment in which to choose, choose again. Um, that's how the power of choice really began for me. It began with awareness and mindfulness of what was happening so that I had that moment in which I could make a different choice.
1: You know, one thing that I've found really helpful surrounding just this whole concept of the power of choice and and how addiction in a way is uh, can be seen as losing that power is that uh, in the unity 12 power framework, we have a power that aligns very much with choice. It's the power of will. And so uh, what I'm referring to is that Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore defined 12 powers, he called them, or abilities, we might say, Mm -hmm. that all people have inherently. And these are spiritual tools that we are using and we can begin to use in a more (laughs) mindful manner. And one of them is the power of will, that being defined as the ability to choose, decide, command, lead, or determine And so the reason I find that helpful is is it's not that just knowing that all of a sudden somehow makes it so where I lacked the power of choice, now I have it. It's not that simple. But what it tells me is that the power to choose is woven into my very being, you know, Mm. the the very center of uh, my nature as a spiritual being contains the power of will. I don't have to go get something that I'm lacking, I have to learn or relearn how to employ something that I have been employing in a way that's not helpful. And so to me, that just kind of brings with it some sense of hope, if you will, that um, all is not lost. I I can regain this ability because it is a, a core part of who I am as a spiritual being.
0: Yes, absolutely. I heard the third principle being described in this way. We are always using the power of will. We are always using um, that power of our thoughts and feelings to uh, create our life. The question is whether we're doing it consciously or not. So this is not, like you said, something new that we start doing. We've been doing it all along. We are always creating the experience of our reality through our thoughts. It's just a matter of it becoming conscious. Because once we become conscious and aware that we're experiencing life through the lens of our own perspective and our own thoughts, that's the first step to, to realizing that we have any power to change it. As long as it's unconscious, there is no power to choose. So for For me, the power to choose lies entirely in that becoming aware, becoming aware that this is, I mean, that was a huge revelation for me, which came from unity. You know, that was a very new concept to me that I had, you know, I thought life was happening to me. You know, that's kind of the cultural, uh, you know, mindset is that all these things are happening to us and we're victims of them. And when I got into unity, it started to teach me that, no, life is happening through you. It's happening through your perspective, through your thoughts, through your mindset, through your beliefs. All of these things that we hold in our consciousness are what are shaping our experience of reality. And that's on the one hand terrifying, but on the other hand, it's the good news because it means we can change them.
1: Absolutely. You know, one thing um, that comes to mind when I think about the power to choose and kind of like what you're saying to me, it looks like noticing what others are doing and sort of getting both ideas and inspiration from others. Because if I'm if I am struggling with uh, using will in a in a mindful and skillful manner, um, I may need something as simple as. Well, what are other people doing? You know, oh, this person just shared about how, you know, they take a walk each evening when they used to, you know, sit down and have a beer or whatever it is that they used to do. And I think, oh, okay, so that's maybe that's something that would help me to become more mindful um, of what I'm doing and recover the power to choose that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I think that's why, you know, the the 12-step group meetings and support groups and such are so important. We need to be surrounded by other people that are learning these things too. And you're absolutely right. I mean, sometimes we just need a new idea. You know, we just need a new thought, a new idea. <laughs> I used to have a sponsor that would, she said that one of her most common prayers was, God, please give me a different thought, a new thought, you know, because again, like many of our behaviors, our thinking is habituated, and um, it's just on autopilot. And so, just um, that idea of having yes, having a chance to um, to be able to choose.
1: Absolutely, new ideas. In a way, that's what we're all about, right? But yes. let's hold that thought because it is time for a short break. And when we come back, we'd love to hear from you as we continue the conversation. That phone number to dial is eight one six. 2513555 please stay with us Thanks for joining us This is Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world.
0: Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery.
1: Welcome back. We're glad you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett here with Reverend Michelle Jelich. We will resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to let you know that the phone lines are open so, if you have a question or comment to share, please give us a call at 816 251 3555. Again, the number is 816 251 3555.
0: So, prior to the break, we were discussing some of our old habits and habitual patterns, including habitual thought patterns and negative um, thought patterns, as well as how. Um, In recovery, and especially through the practice of prayer and meditation, we began to get an awareness of how we had the power to choose differently. So, Dan, now that we have discussed this um, topic of the old habits, and we know that the solution to this problem is the power to choose, how exactly does that power to choose lead us to a life of new freedom?
1: You know, the first thought that comes to mind as you ask that is that it helps me one little step at a time. I know it's true about me and I, I have found that others, many others have a common experience that just because my mind can conceive of where I want to be in my life. I think I got to get like, get there right now. Yeah. You know, how, how can I get there now? What what do I got to do just to get this done so that I can be there and then become very um, future oriented you know, it's nothing wrong with having goals and aspirations, but I don't want to live my life with my head never in the right here and right now. And so the power to choose has helped me move from old habits into new freedom one little tiny step at a time. Yep. You know, the, the choices uh, that I make that are different can be seemingly tiny and almost... Um, Almost like how you know how could they possibly make any difference? The big choice that I'm working through, of course, is related to my addiction. I'm choosing no longer to uh, participate uh, physically in my addiction, but the the remedy, if you will, or the path to recovery is a path of tiny little choices. It might be a, a difference in the way that I respond to someone. It might be, Um, Being quiet when I normally would have spoken or for me as an introvert, it might have been go ahead and share something about how I'm feeling when in the past I might have been quiet and said nothing. But one little seemingly inconsequential little things I have found um, act as both a practice for making new choices and build up over time to really change my life. Uh, in a deep and substantial way, but one little step, one little baby step at a time. Yeah.
0: Well, I mentioned before the break, um, lots of habitual behaviors that I had um, when I was still in my active addiction, such as a compulsive need to clean my house and um, the habit of smoking and drinking together at the same time, and of only choosing activities that involve drinking. Um, So, as I began to develop the power to choose different choices, to choose different activities, um, I really did feel a new freedom. Um, I felt like I'd been released from like a life where the script was already written and I was just doing what was on it to a life where I had the power to choose. It was such a revelation to me. I had all this freed up time and energy that was not spent on um, figuring out what I was going to drink, how much I was going to drink, who I was going to drink it with and where I was going to drink it. Um, I had energy to try new things, you know, and I had this sort of like Renaissance experience where it's like, Oh, I remember, you know, taking up bike riding and taking up rollerblading. And those were things I would never have done before. I don't know why it's not that I wasn't capable of them, but it was because my life had, um, had, turned into, had, had, uh, evolved into this rigidity where I only did certain things and I didn't try new things outside of them, or I had an idea that these are the things I do and I don't do those other things. And that's the absolute opposite of freedom. Right? So I just remember like, Oh, I could do this. I could ride a bike. I could rollerblade. I could read Shakespeare. I could get acupuncture. Like it was like the world opened up to me and, um, that's freedom. You know,
1: that's Yeah, freedom. I can hear that. I'm thinking maybe the problem was that the drink holder on the bike wasn't big enough for a bottle of <laughs> wine. That would <was> definitely <laughs> kept me off of it. And also all those <sighs> dirty looks from people. <laughs> yes. uh, I can get that picture out of my head. Okay, so the power <laughs> of shoes. I'm asking myself, how did the power of shoes help me move from those old habits to a new freedom? You know, I'm reminded of that uh, old old saw: old habits die hard. And I have found that to be the case. And what that tells me, I I take that in a very positive way, meaning, look, I, I, I'm i not going to turn this around overnight. I've I've heard it said, and I've said many times, if you walk 10 miles, if I walk 10 miles into the woods, I got to walk 10 miles out of the woods. So why don't I just give myself a break and recognize that these things, especially the big ones are gonna shift slowly over time. And it's okay, I, I don't need to be a completely different person tomorrow. I can look at what's right in front of me, like what is right here and right now, What's simple, Different choices can I make? You know, not the uh, always wanted to make grand and giant choices. all like a career change or I'm going to move across the country. No, no, no. Just little, little, tiny things. Uh, like I said, speak when maybe I would have been quiet, or be quiet when I would have spoken, or go outside and walk around the block when I might have, you know, sat on the back porch and smoked and drank or whatever. But I have found it to be true that old habits die hard and uh, and and the the good in that, at least for me, has been that it it tells me that's okay. That's kind of the nature of this level of of uh, shifting and change and growth, and it's okay if it seems like it's happening slowly. And it's okay, um, and I can give myself a break. And uh, not beat myself up because, it, you know, I'm not, it's not happening fast enough, or I don't, I still feel like this when I want to not, or whatever it might be.
0: Yeah, boy, um, as addicts, we like to do things in a big way, right? And um, I really liked what you said, that it's not about making these big, huge changes. And of course, we are often cautioned against making such large changes in early recovery. We have enough to manage um, just with the very small ways that our lives are changing on a daily basis. And. You know, life is in the details. So some of the changes you mentioned, you know, those things, they may be small, but they make a profound difference. Um, Our life is not about big, huge changes. It's about the dailiness, what we do every day with the time that we have. And so um, making those small changes, it's more sustainable. Small changes are more sustainable. Large changes tend to um, not go so well and often you know we renege on those things when we try to bite off too much you know um so small sustainable changes i think you know i i think the same thing when it has to do with like oh you know i want to become healthier i want to eat healthy i want to exercise people that go you know nuts with that like around the first of the year they start eating nothing but kale and going to the gym for two hours a day you know you'll find three or four weeks later they're not doing any of that um, but small, sustainable changes are very powerful, you know, starting to make small changes towards the life that we want. And again, uh, in in early recovery and in early unity, because um, those things were very close in my life. Um, Just having that realization that I had that power, that I had that power to choose, that I wasn't bound to these old habits, I wasn't bound to the rigidity I had been living in, that um, life was not happening to me, that I in fact had the power to choose and to begin to create a different life for myself through that choosing. That was a huge revelation to me.
1: You know, another saying that I'd heard a lot that comes to mind with all of this when I think about how did the power of choose help me move out of those old habits that really weren't serving my highest good into a new freedom is the, the that saying two steps forward, one step back. Mm-hmm. And I've mostly heard it in kind of a negative way that, you know, like with an eye roll almost to say, well, I thought that I was this far, only to find out, once again, I'm actually only this far. Well, if I do the math... And it's not very hard. If I do the math of two steps forward, one step back, that's one step forward. That's right. So I can choose to see that as a very positive thing and to recognize that, you know what, that's just kind of how things unfold in life at times. And again, this is similar to what I was sharing a minute ago about giving myself a break is recognizing that it's not uncommon at all for me or for anyone, really, to have that experience of, man, you know, I thought I'd made it to here and then I realize I'm only there instead. Okay, that is not a problem. Two step forward, one step back means I've taken a step forward. And that's That's something I think that I can feel good about and celebrate. Now, I don't want to camp out there right because i i want to continue to grow and to expand and to practice the principles in all throughout my life but um i can also recognize that this is not a trivial thing that we're doing you know yes. walking a recovery path and this is while in a many ways it really is simple it is not easy not yeah. at all and so you know we can just give give ourselves a break. I can give myself a break. It's okay. I don't need to get all this done right away. Did I take a drink today? No, I did not. I'm, I'm winning.
0: Yes. But not like Charlie Sheen, not that kind of winning. (laughs) (laughs) That's a different thing. You know, uh, when you were talking about that, it made me realize, uh, or remember an experience that I had Uh, without giving too many details, you know, one of my biggest challenges was relationships. And um, when I got sober, I thought that my relationships were going to change drastically. And it was extremely uh, disheartening for me to find out that my relationships could be just as dysfunctional in sobriety as they were when I was drinking. And, uh, that has been pretty much my one of my largest challenges over my life in recovery is to change those relationships and it's not something that has happened quickly for me it's and i had that very experience of like you know Three three years of sobriety, five years of sobriety, ten years of sobriety. Oh my gosh, like I'm I'm going through this again, the same thing again. How can this be? I've made all these changes. Why are these same things still happening? Or why am I still experiencing these same issues and relationships or things still seeming to turn out the same? And I think part of it is, you know, what you mentioned, realizing that. Uh, these things, changes, these types of really deep changes in our lives are extremely difficult to make, you know, without going into it, you know, there's, there's all kinds of psychological and subconscious and early childhood things that are driving a lot of our behaviors, and they're not easy to change. And another thing is, I think we sometimes underestimate how much our life has in fact changed. So we think, oh, it's the same, but it's really not the same. We've made some major changes. Um, But I did have that experience of feeling, disheartened that things were not changing fast enough for me um so i understand that and all i can say about that is what was said to me many times in recovery more will be revealed more will be revealed for me recovery has been like an onion actually an endless onion (laughs) that you keep unpeeling and unpeeling and it doesn't you never get to the center of it there's always another layer to unpeel and um again it You know, it always begins for me with uh, an awareness, an awareness of what are the unconscious thought processes and thought patterns and belief systems that are driving my behavior and because. For the most part, those things tend to be unconscious. And as long as they remain unconscious, they have extreme power over us. But when we start to become conscious of them, aware of them, that's when we can begin to unpack them and we can begin to change them in a really sustainable way.
1: I have noticed that in my life, at least pain is a motivator. <laughs> yeah. You've heard that pain is a motivator. So one way. That I was helped along the way, I believe, with the power to choose. You know, helping me move out of those old, old unhelpful ways of being, old habits, and into a new freedom is sort of prompted and 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 uh, I don't say goaded as much as uh, encouraged. Let's say encouraged by pain, right? Yes. Because uh, when I first got on a on a recovery path, there was a significant. Uh, amount of pain. And fortunately, I was hanging around with enough people in recovery. I was going to enough um, recovery group meetings and events to know that that pain was not coming from the recovery path, right? It was coming from my addiction. And if I were to ever try to ease it by moving into my old habits, I wouldn't be, in fact, multiplying it So for however it was that I managed to realize the truth in that, I'm grateful um, to all those who walked before me, walked with me, et cetera. But pain, avoiding the pain of active addiction is a motivator for me in in, uh, making new choices, you know, giving me a reason to take it seriously and really really look and say, okay, so what am I going to do? Every evening when I get home from work, when I used to do this other thing, oh, I'm going to get out my phone and I'm going to call a recovery friend, or maybe I'm going to call three recovery friends. And if they don't pick up, I'm going to leave a message, because this is one thing that I do that's different than I used to do, and it helps me Uh, because I am making a new choice and I am choosing to focus on the recovery path and particular on the new habits that I'm working on that will keep me on the path.
0: Yeah. Boy, I sure relate to that Um, pain being a motivator for change. You know, I think it's a human nature thing that, you know, I'm not going to change something until I get pretty darn uncomfortable Uh, It just requires that for me to be willing to make, because sometimes changes are really frightening and really challenging for us. Um, You know, the fear of the unknown. We know we need to change, but we don't know what it's going to look like. And so it's easier to just stay in the negative habit because it's comfortable and it's familiar. But um, so luckily, life has a way of um, taking care of that for me. In my church, we like to call it the spiritual two by four. (laughs)
1: That's
0: when something just comes, you know, well, seemingly out of nowhere and just smacks you over the head and brings you to your knees. And nobody wants to be in that place. But actually, I have found that being on my knees is a place of incredible grace because it's where I become willing. I've gotten in enough pain. I've been. Trodden down enough by life that I am willing to make a different choice, willing to start to look at, you know, how have I created this mess? How have I gotten myself into this situation? What is it about my thought patterns that are creating this scenario over and over again? Um, So, yeah, I have to get pretty uncomfortable before I'm willing to do that hard work. But in that way, we can almost see pain as a gift. Because pain tells us that something is wrong. Something needs to change. Um, My beloved senior minister, Reverend Vicki Elder, always says things come up in order for them to be healed. So if it's coming up again and again and again, it's because it's ready to be healed. It's wanting to be healed. And so in that way, pain can be a real gift for us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I seem to have a theme today about some of these uh, program sayings and aphorisms, some from within the program and some not. But I'm just finding a lot of wisdom in them. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, at first I thought that, the, you know, I wanted to roll my eyes at him. Oh, my God. So it's silly. And uh, why do we have to keep saying that? And then after a while, I realized, well, the reason that we have these is because they very quickly get right at an important factor or truth or something that I need to remember, uh, as a, a person in recovery. And one, actually I have two of them and they're, to me, they're variations on a theme. Fake it till you make it. Uh, yeah. Heard That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, and I've also heard it said act as if. Yes, those now, are those. Great. I think for me, those are not exactly the same thing, but they're similar in that one way that uh, the power to choose can help me move from my old unhelpful habits into a new and freer way of living is by... Um, Even if I feel like I can't reach inside and make myself different, well, why don't I pretend? Like, what would I do Uh if I... If I were different, what might that look like? What might it feel like if I were to just to pretend, just to myself? And I don't mean that I'm deceiving anyone. It means I'm. It's like trying on a new hat, right, or trying on a new uh, set of clothing. Let me try this on and see what it feels like, so that I can begin to become more aware of what it feels like, and that helps me uh, choose it more often it makes it easier to recognize and therefore to me at least in my experience easier to choose
0: you know i think you really hit on something important um we talk a lot in unity about how our thoughts create our reality And I'm not saying that that's not the case, but I think that it's a little more complex than that. I think that it's not just our thoughts, it's our beliefs, it's our um, emotions, and it's also our actions. So it may even go the other way, where rather than changing the thought and having the thought change your behavior, you can change your behavior consciously, and that in turn begins to change your thoughts. So I think that's what you're talking about. Is yes. you know we get told by our sponsors, we'll just do this thing. I know it doesn't feel right. I know it feels weird. I know it's not your norm, but just try it. Just try doing things this way just try doing this one thing you know go to that meeting or ask that person you know whatever and so we do those actions and then they have the effect of beginning to change us so it works both ways and again that's that power to choose when we choose to do these new behaviors that are suggested to us uh you know, that helps us to change. And it's like, and then changing helps us to do those behaviors more. And it, it snowballs into, you know, wonderful changes and changes in behaviors and in our feelings and our thoughts and everything in our lives. So, um, yeah. I, yeah.
1: It is kind of like a chicken and egg thing in that yeah. it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, does my thought change first and then my actions, but then again, just like you're saying, um, I can change my actions even from where do I go? You know, I'm going to go to a, to a, a recovery meeting instead of to, a, a, you know, a place where I might have indulged in, in my addiction. I've heard that described in the phrase, move a muscle, change a thought, oh. because I know at least for me, I can sit there on the couch, so to speak, and stew about things and in i cannot I cannot change everything about my experience in the world simply by sitting there and thinking about it. Yes, I do need to sit quietly in what we call uh meditation or or prayer. I do need to raise my awareness of what is going on within me. What are the habits of mind that are in play right now, but also. I need to stand up and walk and do something. Wash right. the dishes, walk around the block, play with the dog, talk to my spouse, go, you know, pick up the phone and call a recovery friend, go to a recovery club or meeting or something. Because right. by by choosing to physically act in 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 a different way, I can kind of it almost like jars my thinking mind That's and right. brings me to a place where um choices seem to have shown up where before it kind of seemed like there weren't any. And there's, you know, I am, I am very comfortable in the realm of ideas. I am more than happy to sit on the couch and sort of figure out the whole world in my head. And so it's been challenging for me. And I don't even know that I'm really that strong at it, but yes, move a muscle, change a thought. In fact, Let's shift gears now and move into action, right? Because unity's fifth principle states, it's not enough to know these truths. We have to live them. That means we must each take action in order to grow and recover. So here's something that you can do to move from old habits to a new freedom using the power to choose.
0: Think of an old habit that you've not yet been able to kick or to change. Or is there some behavior in your life that you would really like to change? Maybe there are habitual thoughts or worn out beliefs that no longer serve you.
1: And what's important for right here, right now is to pick one thing, something simple to focus on for this exercise. So you could take what you learn here today into your life this week and repeat it, return to it anytime you choose in order to find a moment of peace. So let's use the example of an old habit that we'd like to change.
0: So use a statement of power or what we refer to in unity as a denial to deny any power to the old habit. So you could say something like, I am not bound by my old habits. Repeat it a few times in your head or aloud and say it with conviction. I am not bound by my old habits.
1: And follow that up immediately with a bold, positive affirmation of a new experience. So you could say something like, by becoming more mindful of my thoughts and behaviors, I have the power to choose.
0: Yes, and then take a few quiet moments to relax and take it easy. There's no need to struggle. Give thanks for your new experience in the world and move on with your day.
1: So take some time this week and affirm this new experience. Once again, I am not bound by my old habits. By becoming more mindful of my thoughts and behaviors, I have the power to choose. So we've come now to the end of our time here together, and we hope that you found something to help you on your recovery path. I want to remind you that uh, we, sh- we have an archive on unityonlineradio.org, and there are several years of Spirit of Recovery podcasts available to listen to anytime you choose. Uh, thank you, Reverend Michelle, for our discussion, and thanks to all who are listening to this podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. Listeners, if you'd like, you can connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, and give us your thoughts and feedback. We invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Until then, have a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
0: Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.